0: Buckle up your pant legs, zip up your hats. Let's see what I write here. Oh, wow, that sucks. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> here Literally, I forgot that I had written this. This is exactly what I wrote. Buckle up your pant legs, zip up your hats, and note to self look up what musketeers wore. Oh. Uh I don't know what I was going for there. It's time for Sounds About Light, a podcast about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I'm Sam. I'm Drew. My own worst enemy. We're back. We're back um we, we we took we took some trips. i uh practiced my Donald Duck voice all up and down the west coast uh I sat in a pod while my memories were restored for about a month uh-huh um i uh, I woke up and there my journal was empty except for it said one thing uh thank salmon eh? <laughs> no, nothing okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to do a little bit, since your bit didn't work, but I don't think my bit was very good either. What do you mean my bit didn't work? I don't... Oh, and I don't know. Never mind. No, I could hear everyone laughing. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. That's good. We're recording this one live. Yeah, live. Um, but we... <laughs> well, how does that work? So, never mind. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I have not done this in a while, I guess. <laughs> um... So you, you had all your memories removed, so you actually don't remember what happened last time, huh? Uh, I remember vaguely, I know what happened in this game, but I honestly can't remember the last thing before this part. The but last thing that we saw was, I didn't think that you would save us, Axel. That's Axel right. didn't. My name is Lee. That's... Got it memorized. Okay, thank you. That's why I'm thanking Sam and A. Now you're all caught up. I'm caught up. I need to close the fan and wiki because I'm looking at Galexgan and I'm looking at (laughs) Sulkax. It's hard to stop once you start. Get out of here. Not right now. It's hard enough to understand as it is. (laughs) Uh, This time we are talking about the land of the Musketeers, country of the Musketeers, excuse me, Mm -hmm. and the Symphony of Sorcery. What did you think of these worlds? I liked it a lot. This part was a lot of fun for me. I really um, like Country of the Musketeers. I think that Symphony of Sorcery is a great world to play, but boy, not a lot happened there, huh? Not a lot happened, but I thought it was cool. Like it, it, it was doing the stuff that I would like, which is like I, I don't know, taking the uh, the the world and doing something interesting with it mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of just showing you a <laughs> a bad version of it. So yeah, uh, no, that was. was it was good speaking of a bad version of it the uh the game movie that we watched decided to get a little creative with the music huh yeah i still don't know what that was about it seemed like they were avoiding like a copyright strike but to your point it's all like should be public domain like symphonic music yeah and uh dearly beloved the kingdom hearts theme yeah which that I could see getting copyright struck, but it apparently never does. So no, it doesn't. But uh, you you gotta just just to be safe, sometimes you have to put in some really bad EDM <laughs> to underscore a really nice scene that deserved better. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, but that's just how we do it in the gamer's little playground. Yeah, I mean, if I wanted to see it, I guess I would spend forty to fifty dollars and play it on my own. So uh huh. We start in the country of the Musketeers, aka France. This is like the fourth time we've gone to France. <laughs> I mean, second time in this game. Yeah, yeah. I still wonder about all that, but I, I think that I think these are all different Frances. They're all different Frances. Uh, but well, speaking of things to wonder about, I don't know if I've said this before. I know that I've said that I dreaded talking about Dream Drop Distance for some mm-hmm. reasons. This is why, because I don't understand what the hell is going on here. Yeah, Mickey says something that makes it make zero sense. Because we, we meet Mickey Mouse, who's in his musketeer outfit from Mickey Donald Goofy, the Three Musketeers direct-to-video movie that I've never seen. Oh, man, I watched it, like, a lot when I, like, when I was a kid. I watched some clips of it in preparation. It looks, it seems fun. Yeah, I remember liking it a lot. I have not seen it since I was probably like eight years old, so I don't remember it that well, but I remember watching it a lot. Well, now you've seen it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly the way it's meant to be seen. <laughs> uh Mickey, Donald, and Goofy are fighting a dream eater as Musketeers. And now, you you have gone on record, you know the Disney cartoons better than I do. Donald isn't us his character isn't usually like Freddy cat is it uh, a little bit yeah i mean i think like is he's it? like he's angry and confrontational but he he's basically just like uh yeah Freddy cat i think could be mixed in there for sure okay but like, he's enough. only that bra- seems to be his main thing in this movie I, yeah it's not normally like that uh they they play it up for this i guess the thing i would say about donald is that, is that he's brave when he thinks he's gonna win uh-huh and and then otherwise maybe not so much And Goofy is, like, a master tactician of wacky cartoon strategy. I mean, the thing about it is he just always charges in. That's his thing in the movie. Okay. Yeah. But Sora shows up to help them, and he is very confused about who this Mickey is, which, fair enough. Yeah, it's a good question. It's the one time that I'll I'll side with Sora being very confused and not following things.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Sora does at least quickly realize, oh, right, they're not going to recognize me because it's a dream and they don't know me. At least, at least but he then he's that like, out. Yeah, but then he's like, well, hold on, what's going on here? Because I would expect these people to be in the Disney Castle world, but that world isn't asleep, so this can't be Disney Castle. So where are we? And who is Mickey? And why is he here? And why are Don and the Goofy here? And I say, Sora, that's a great bunch of questions. Yeah. And doesn't Mickey respond to this? Am, am I wrong? So Mickey sees Sora's Keyblade, yeah, and recognizes it. So, so we know this is the Mickey that we know, yeah. And he he's like, "Oh, I was sent here undercover as a musketeer to solve a problem." I don't I don't know if he ever really says what it is, but I assume it's protecting the princess. Yeah, and this does bring up a bunch of questions a lot because yes. because okay. So fine. So him and Donald and Goofy are all here, uh, from Reggio Disney Castle. Maybe, maybe. And then, like, this is clearly like a different world, Pete. So fine, it's not the same Pete we know, probably, Maybe. probably. But then, is it a different mini, or is it the same mini? Like, are they all? Did they all just go like cosplay together? For, like, well, here's here's the thing, because I I agree. I don't think that. Captain Pete in this world is the same Pete that we know. I think it's got like he's like animated different. His face is yeah. a lot like jigglier. Also, he has a fucking peg leg. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's possible that uh, Steamboat Willie Mickey cut off Pete's foot at some point. Yeah, and, and that he has a prosthetic foot when we know him. Maleficent regrew it. She, you know what? She takes care of her own. But yeah, I, I don't think that this is the same Pete. I, this is the same Mickey. He was sent here by Yen Sid, I'm assuming. My personal belief is that I think that this is the world that Minnie is originally from. Oh, okay. I think that they fell in love and he took her back to Disney. Yeah, maybe. I mean, is she, is she there when they go to the like the old-timey Mickey cartoon world? She is not. She's not. Okay. And Donald and Goofy are only there because they go back in time, which means it's also possible that they are originally from this world. No, didn't we had old-timey Donald there, right? Only only because we went back in time with them. Oh, you're right. Yeah. That one's a lot muddier. I I really don't know what to think. I guess the question is the Donald and Goofy that we're seeing here did Mickey bring them with him on this mission? Or did he meet them here and to become friends with them and take them back home? Mm, I thought, yeah, I felt like they came in as a squad, but I guess, I guess I guess, it doesn't really make it very clear. No, I really could go either way on that, but I do think that this is Minnie. Because if he, it doesn't make sense that he could have brought Minnie here and she's the princess and he came here to defend her. That doesn't make any sense. Right. So I feel like this has to be Minnie's home. But this is just a different Pete, which is confusing. Yes, yeah, so she's the Queen of France and of the Disney Kingdom. That's why that's why I've said before, I think that Mickey, I mean, he's a steamboat captain. I don't think that Mickey is the one with royal blood. I think he brought Minnie back and married into royalty. I agree with that, yeah. Yeah. The it's... good news is that this will never matter. <laughs> yeah, they really fucking shouldn't have had Mickey recognize like or no like it should have just been like no this is like just an alternate universe deal with it i don't know right (laughs) it's 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 a little it's a little messy
1: yeah
0: uh but i think i think we got through it fine so that's good yeah yeah because then Uh, i was like is every cartoon with mickey in a historical setting like him time traveling and solving problems well see that's what's weird because he looked like rubber hose steamboat willie
1: Mm-hmm. But then
0: time passes, and he becomes Mickey Mouse. Right, right. Why did that happen? Uh, that's how mice age. Uh, I'm Sorry? That's how mice age. Oh, that's how mice age. Yeah. I you... thought that you said that that was how your aging went. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's also how I've aged. It's true. <laughs> I used to be all rubbery, and my, I had a little triangle instead of a pupil. And But I have become... Uh, much rounder and, and smilier as I've gotten. Uh, <laughs> Haven't we all? Yeah, it's true. Uh, Donald and Goofy introduce themselves. They're friends for life. Woohoo! Uh, Sora insists on coming with them on their mission. We get another flashback. I don't know if this was clear that it was a flashback.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: we see Musketeer Captain Pete naming the three of them Royal Musketeers and assigning them to guard Princess Minnie. Uh Donald is terrified. Goofy doesn't know how to count to three. <laughs> <laughs> um my notes here say that Pete kicks so much ass and I'm happy to see him again. I love to see Pete. Yeah. Just look at you all dressed up and going nowheres. It's one of the biggest surprises of this podcast <laughs> is how much I like Pete. Yeah, he's good. He loves to be evil and he loves to like say little like weird jokes at people. It's the best. Well, now, here's a question. Yeah. Is, th- is it possible that this is a different Donald and Goofy? Because Goofy's not this stupid. Goofy knows how to count to three. Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he learned after this period. <laughs> Mickey brought them here and he was like, all right, guys, we got through that. Okay, but we need to have a serious talk about your combat effectiveness. Yeah, well, and, like, this version of Mickey's, like, less perceptive, unless he's, like, making a joke about his friends, but he's like, Donald's brave and Goofy's clever. Yeah, he's just being an asshole. <laughs> is he just being a dick, or is he is he just, Don- <laughs> just doesn't know his friends? <laughs> well, that's another point for maybe, maybe they are from here originally, and he just met them for the first time, and he hasn't... He's not very good at reading people. No. Well, now, hold on. I just remembered there is, for no reason... There is a scene here where Pluto is here, and Pluto is—it's only that one scene that Pluto's in it for like two seconds. Yeah, because in the in the movie, it's it's the four of them, um, so that's why he's here for a second. Also because he's obviously doing evil plots in Kingdom Hearts. Maybe, but yeah. Oh my god, that's so scary! Because what if Mickey actually found Pluto here with Minnie, Donald, and Goofy, brought them all home? not knowing that he was bringing home the puppet master, Pluto. Yeah. That's the, so scary. The secret Xehanort that is Pluto. Oh my god, that's terrifying. <laughs> uh, Minnie's carriage, they're they're taking her on a carriage ride. There's never really any explanation for where they're going. <laughs> they're just like, we're going to ride her carriage through the deep, dark woods. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the only way to keep her safe. I hope the bad guys don't get god, us. I, anyway, hope a, I hope a fucking dinosaur doesn't show up. Uh Oh, it's a it's a Tyrantorex or whatever the Dream Eater is called in this. Yeah, Uh, they fight it. And then the Beagle Boys show up. Remember the Beagle Boys from whatever they're from? Yeah, they well, yeah, the Beagle Boys actually are like an ongoing villain of like Donald Ducks and I think Mickey from like old old Disney stuff. I think they're in DuckTales, but I, I don't really know where they came from or why they exist. I, I wanna, but they're here. I I I want to say they're like from like Donald Duck like comics and stuff too, and okay. that's why they're in DuckTales. But yeah, they're like Pete's they're usually like Pete's sidekicks, I think. Well, hey, good for them making it into Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh they knock them off the carriage and kidnap Minnie. I did watch the uh the scene from the movie, and it was very funny to learn that uh in the movie daisy was also here oh i didn't remember that they they love to not put daisy in kingdom hearts they really do yeah she can only be there to like for like a line a game if she's lucky yeah and it's it's always like chasing donald around with a rolling pin <laughs> that's right so they they chase after the carriage uh there's a tower cuz the carriage is empty they're like well, let's check out this tower this probably it's something in the movie. I mean, I I did watch this scene from the movie. Actually, I don't I don't fully understand the context of it, but the tower scene is great. Yeah, I again I don't really remember it too much, but it's that uh, they're trying to break the door down, and Goofy like rears back to charge at it, but then they're like, oh, it's actually open, and he he like runs all the way up the tower and like flies out the window. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He like bounces back off a tree, a cow kicks him back through the tower window. There's like a windmill or something. It's like a Rube Goldberg machine of goofy being silly. Yeah, I mean that one of my notes here is that I like this part because it actually has good like cartoon bullshit going on, which is fun. Yes. Because the what happens in the movie is that he goes through all those wacky things and then flies out the window. And then later, when they're confronting the Beagle Boys, he has the idea, what if I do it again and knock them out the window? And they recreated that. He, like, grabs Mickey and they jump out the window. They bounce off the tree. They knock them out the window. That's great. They put it in the game. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it was fun. They never do stuff like that. It was it was truncated, but that's okay. Yeah, it's, I mean, I feel like... Part of me is like, did they just get the ability to, to do more with this because they figured no one would care about it? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Uh, sort of like how they're allowed to put Final Fantasy characters in Hercules because they don't care about Hercules as a as a franchise. I guess so, yeah. They're not going to make any more of those. Uh, Minnie appears out of nowhere. I don't know where she came from. Yeah. Uh, she hasn't been put in a trunk yet, I don't think. Sora and Goofy did all the work, uh, so Minnie thanks Mickey Mouse for his bravery. Yeah, he's the hot one. (laughs) He's the hot one. Oh, God. (laughs) You know, because that's what we all grow up into is a hot hot Mickey Mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They return to Musketeer HQ to celebrate a job well done. Again, I don't know what the mission was. (laughs) Uh, To get kidnapped by the Beagle Boys? Yeah, take the princess into kidnapper territory. Great job. Uh, But then Goofy, <laughs> he runs off after something and he goes off screen and then Donald starts freaking out and tells Mickey that the Beagle Boys were working for Pete and that them being musketeers was all a lie. I feel like we're really, really skimming through the plot of the movie here. <laughs> In the movie, aren't they not even musketeers and they just like put the clothes on and they're like street urchins or something? That I don't know about. I did I did look this up for this scene because I didn't know what the hell was going on. Like one of the Beagle Boys working for Pete, like lures Goofy off by like pretending to be Mickey asking for help or something. And Donald also gets caught and there I think I think it's said that Goofy is like in a guillotine and Donald manages to escape. Wow, I need to watch this. Does movie. that sound I need to watch no? this movie again. <laughs> uh, but Donald manages to escape, so he now knows that Pete and the Beagle Boys were trying to kidnap Minnie, and he tells Mickey about this. And he says, "I'm no musketeer. I got to get out of here." Uh, so he runs away, and Mickey, Mickey and Sora are not concerned. He'll no, that's back. And Goofy is probably not gonna get his head chopped off. They don't know that. That is not relevant to the game. <laughs> That's just background info for anyone who looks up the plot. Yeah, I don't think they wanted to touch that in the game. <laughs> um. So, oh, there's a great Pete line here because Pete has not met Sora at this point. So when, when they're talking about the captain, Sora doesn't know that it's Pete. And you know what? Neither do I, really. <laughs> but Sora says, what is the captain up to? And then Pete shows up and goes... Ah, a stranger looking to be endangered. God, it was so good. I, I
1: love, love he when was he just waiting. He,
0: he was just waiting in the shadows, waiting for them to the mention him. <laughs> he always is. Yeah. Um. There's another thing. I couldn't find this clip in the movie, so I don't know if this actually happened or not. But we cut away on Pete punching Mickey in the face. <laughs> You we do, by your power invested in my fist, I clobber you, yeah and and we we like see him swinging, and then we cut to Sora, who's like, "No <laughs> and I'm assuming Sora fell asleep here, he gets like overwhelmed by dream eaters while he's distracted by the plight of Mickey Mouse, oh, okay, I thought maybe it was like when he fell asleep. At the beginning of the game. <laughs> oh, oh, I got you. No, no, he, he gets tackled by Dream Eaters. Okay. Uh, they just leave, though. Donald and Goofy wake him up sometime later. Pete and Mickey are gone. Uh, it's really weird to hear Goofy from Goofy say Mont Saint-Michel. I wrote the same thing. I'm like, it's weird hearing Goofy speak French. It doesn't seem like you should He do took that. Mickey to Mont Saint-Michel. <laughs> well, that's how you'd say it. He explains that Mickey is in a dungeon that will fill with water when the tide comes in and Mickey will be drowned to death. And then we get a cut scene of Mickey drowning to death. <laughs> oh no. And then it's funny cuz it just fades out like he he like full on goes limp in the water. You don't see anyone coming <laughs> in to rescue him or anything. All we needed was the fucking Mario 64 like grabbing at his throat like yeah or like Sonic the Hedgehog danger music. Yeah. It's pretty grim. Yeah. <laughs> uh we do go to Mont Saint Michel. Uh sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I'm American. Sounds good to me. Um there's no cutscenes here. It's a cool environment and it's fun to run around in, but there's no cutscenes here, so we have nothing to say about it. Mickey dies. Yeah, Mickey's fucking dead. But uh, then he's alive. Uh yeah. Donald and Goofy saved him. There. The plot point about them, like, not being true musketeers is not really present here. They just keep, like, mentioning it vaguely, but Donald and Goofy... Okay, this must be what you were saying, because Donald and Goofy are like, We learned an important lesson. Being a musketeer is not about the clothes you wear, it's about what's inside. Yeah, because I think it's like they just find some musketeer clothes and and just start pretending to be musketeers. Well, Mickey gets inspired, and this is a gripe that i have to make that probably nobody else could possibly give a shit about Mm -hmm. but when mickey is inspired and decides to be a musketeer again the music that is playing in the background as like swelling inspirational music is the pot smashing training mini game theme from the olympus coliseum in kingdom hearts (laughs) one there's nothing more inspiring that's how you become a hero it's the it's like the the field theme, but the sped up version. They're like da 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 da. da. Yeah, and it's what a weird pick. He's becoming a hero again. It's thematic. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Oh, I did gloss over the part where he starts smashing a bunch of pots. <laughs> this is what it means to be a musketeer. I'm getting
1: fired up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, he... Re- uh, Mickey says that he overheard Pete say that they were taking Minnie to the opera house, so they go to save her, and they find the Beagle Boys standing outside the opera house with a big treasure chest making muffled Minnie Mouse noises. Yeah, it's a very big comedy chest to put a Minnie in. Yeah, and, you know, in Kingdom Hearts, you see a big chest, and it never has what you want. It's usually just a map or Minnie Mouse. <laughs> Always very disappointing. Yeah, maybe a... Dalmatian possibly, not in this one. No, those are in little chests. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh they there's some opera house gameplay, but it doesn't really matter. They ultimately end up on the stage and Minnie is no longer in the chest, so I don't know what the point of that was. <laughs> she got free at some point. I literally went to a like full gameplay video to see if there was like a small cutscene that is not in this and no did did riku set her free he does i guess that's what happened how is this happening by the way i guess i'll just preempt this this isn't how it's worked so far but in this world now riku is affecting what's going on with sora yeah this is like persona 5 changing cognition type shit yeah i don't know but it yeah. I mean, whatever. You can do this if you want. I just feel like they should do it the whole time, or, or don't I do mean, it. I mean, this would be really cool if it was happening all the time, but it's not. Yeah, What was... happens is yeah. we learn that Pete's plan is to <laughs> lure them onto the stage and then drop a big crate on them and kill them. I love that plan so much, because you know what? It's a pretty good fucking plan, it's just not very dramatic. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, But as it's falling on them... It just suddenly disappears, and Sora realizes that Riku must have saved them from his side. I got scared for a second, because when it disappeared, it kind of looked like it was, um, like, de rezzing and I got worried we were in a simulation again. Oh my god. Zemnis reappears and says, I told you, Data doesn't dream, but it does write fanfiction about direct-to-video movies. And sometimes dreams. Uh. <laughs> it doesn't dream but it can think really hard isn't that dreaming <laughs> <laughs> we're getting like an existential philosophical <laughs> debate about what what dreaming means and, the, and then they drop a box on him yeah and then <laughs> they drop a box on Xemnas <laughs> problem solved roll credits <laughs> when you walk away uh Pete calls in the Beagle Boys for one last fight and they lose the end. Mhm. Uh one of the Beagle Boys is French and so that's fun. Oh wait, that that's going to happen a little bit later, but one's French well, and the that was, other two are cockney. That was weird because in the one uh clip that I found on YouTube of the Beagle Boys talking, it was one of the it was like one of the musketeers said something French. I think it was goofy. It doesn't matter what it was. Maybe he said bonjour. And the and the Beagle Boys like, oi, that's French. Oi, I ain't French. Maybe they're supposed to be British assassins. I don't know. I mean, but one of them is definitely speaking French. One of them is definitely French. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I guess they don't get along. Fair enough. Yeah, they're just coworkers. no one ever said that they were friends. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you think with the name like the Beagle Boys, they might like each other? But that's just it's just <laughs> it's just good marketing. They're they're just boys. They're not the beagle buds. That's right. Uh we cut directly to mini naming them officially. Royal Musketeers. Hooray. Yay. Sora unlocks the sleeping keyhole and he's feeling really really good about friendship right now. Yeah. I wanted to say one one interesting thing about this and I'm sure this is not intentional, but you know like the I I I have not like read this or watched the old like, um, Kiefer Sutherland movie in a long time. But you know, in the actual Three Musketeers, there's actually there's the Three Musketeers, and then D'Artagnan comes in. So that, there's actually four people in the Three Musketeers, which is kind of was was always confusing to me as a kid. That's Pluto. Um, yeah, maybe. But in in this case, Sora kind of gets to be the D'Artagnan, which is like a guy who shows up who's a big badass and helps them fight people, which is basically <laughs> what happens in the, in the actual Three Musketeers. So, in a way, this, like, Kingdom Hearts version is more like the real Three Musketeers than than the movie was. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. I was like, ah, it's probably not it but I'm noticing the parallel. I don't know. <laughs> I've always said that Sora is the D'Artagnan of Kingdom Hearts. He, he sure is. Uh, Riku arrives. Who's the Who's the character in the Three Musketeers who is always off screen doing uh, nothing particularly relevant until the end? Um, that's Dark <laughs> Uh Dark Tanyan arrives uh, at the opera house. He he goes straight here and he he just sees Pete and is like, "Well, that's no good. <laughs> that's not that's a problem. He, he's that's he's never good." It's so wild to think that in a different world, if, if things had gone differently in Kingdom Hearts 1, Pete and Riku would have sort of been surrogate brothers. Weird. 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 I wish they had worked together. That would be Oh, good. well. Maybe someday. Yeah. Um, if Riku can have an arc, then why can't Pete? I, w- I wish Pete. Oh, maybe, I don't know. He kind of, maybe he is. Maybe he is having an arc. We'll see. Maybe he is. <laughs> Pete's going to have a face turn, and then they're going to have to bring in Mortimer Mouse to be the new uh, henchman. That sounds great. I would love that. I legitimately if Mortimer showed up, that would be incredible. Yeah, and also like who's the evil uh other Scottish duck? Um mm, I assume you're not talking about Scrooge. No, Scrooge has like a uh, foil as well. <laughs> oh, I th- this is DuckTales lore that I am not familiar with. I don't know. I'll I'm going to look it up, but keep going. So Riku follows Pete inside, blah blah blah, he reaches the stage, and he catches the Beagle Boys preparing for their evil plan, which is that they have basically cardboard cutouts of Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, and they just put them on the stage to confirm, when we drop the crate, will it kill them? Yes. <laughs> it sure killed these <laughs> these other pieces of wood, so they'll definitely die. Yeah. By and the Riku way, I posted... Sees- Oh, yeah, Flintheart Glomgold. Yeah, I knew it was a fucking great name, Flintheart Glomgold. Oh, and I guess he had a sidekick, uh, maybe like a talking dog named Carl Barks. Interesting. Sort of like a, a communist counterpoint to the capitalists of, oh, no, sorry, that's the creator of Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yeah, Carl Barks is just a man. uh, Or the creator of the comic, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, Glomgold's um, just, a, just a different bad ca- capitalist, I think. I can't deal with Glomgold. <laughs> uh, what in the hell are his shoes? He's wearing, like, he's got, soulless Crocs. Well, he's got spats on his feet, I think, is what <laughs> we're looking at. Oh my god, to represent all the spats that he has with Scrooge. That's right. Maybe they all have shoes like that. I I really don't know what's going on anymore. I have to move on. Glomgold was Uh, from South Africa? What? Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, with a name like Glomgold, I don't know why that wasn't obvious. I just thought he was another Scottish guy. That's why he's got the little Scottish hat on and stuff. No, it's cultural appropriation. Maybe, oh, later... Wait. Oh, my God. (laughs) I can't... Sorry, I'm getting deep in this wiki. They're talking about how he, he... is from he appears scottish but he's really south african what the fuck i mean never trust a duck who moved to south africa during apartheid yeah you really fucking shouldn't yeah <laughs> he he actually is worse than scrooge <laughs> this is the elon musk's grandfather of ducktails yeah and and anyway yeah. uh riku sees cardboard cutouts of his friends getting crushed to pieces by a big crate and says well that's not good no That's probably not, they're probably not going to go, oh no, it landed on them, let's move. Yeah, I'm going to prevent this across worlds, the thing that I have been doing the whole time. He chases them backstage, uh, and they're not here, but the chest is. And he says, oh, let's see what's in this, maybe it's a map. And he opens it with his keyblade, and Minnie Mouse is inside. All right, what's this? (laughs) I came over here to see if you've really got all this cabbage you've been bragging about. Think I'm a phony, eh? Well, I never brag, shorty. Comics are good. I'm starting to think that Scrooge McDuck might be a little bit of a Scottish stereotype. He might be. I I don't know what to make of this at all. <laughs> I don't know either. I, it was just on the wiki and I thought it looked good. They are also the same height. I don't know why he called him Shorty. I think Maybe big. he meant it affectionately. Like he's calling him like a little thotty. Or it's South African slang. And it's <laughs> terrible. Uh... So Riku introduces himself to Minnie and says he's a friend of Mickey's. Uh, and this is so weird because the what is happening here is that the Beagle Boys, there is a bunch of gears, okay, mm-hmm. on the wall. Uh-huh. Yep. And if you turn this wheel, then the gears will mess up the trap. Yeah, uh, this was built by the same people who do all the architecture in Resident Evil. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the Beagle Boys runs up to the thing and is like, Well, I better take this little wheel thing, otherwise someone could turn it and foil the plan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, my assumption was that you turn that wheel to also drop the, the box and maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know. We get another flashback where Pete reveals his evil plan to Minnie, which is that he's going to use a stooge disguised as her to name him king. <gasps> Apparently, in the movie, it's one of the Beagle Boys. I was very—I thought I thought that this meant that he was going to like blackmail Mickey into wearing the princess's dress or something. No, I thought it meant that there was just like a mini double. There is, and it's one of the Beagle Boys. <laughs> so he's gonna be like, "As Princess Minnie of France." It <laughs> yeah, wouldn't get the French one. <laughs> nope. Nope. Oh, all right. No, that, that's a that's a plan for smarter characters. Right.
1: Uh, uh, is this when
0: he says time to say bon journey? Yeah, he says bon journey, which is pretty funny. He also says bien sewer. Bien sewer. Well this is this is when I start to wonder maybe this is the Pete that we know because he doesn't speak French. It's true, and maybe he doesn't have a French accent either. That's true. Yeah. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> but then he, he looks at the Beagle Boys and says, You see this wheel crank thing? Don't lose it because the whole plan hinges on this. Now, let's put it in the wall where we don't want it to be instead of taking it with us to where we do want it to be. A perfect plan. Uh, then they put Mini in the chest, and that's the flashback. Riku fights a Dream Eater mole boss that's digging in and out of the walls. This is a pretty fun boss fight. It looked really fun. I called it the prank mole when I first saw it, because it, like, was pranking Riku, kind of. It um, kind of does the thing that children do, where they, like, tap you on the shoulder from around the other side of you and make you look, and then you're like, haha. Yep. Yeah. And then it turns out it has a great name, which is the Holy Moley. <laughs> Good. Good. Uh, he beats it, and for some reason that means that he gets the wheel crank, mm-hmm. I guess. it's Because it's Resident Evil now. Um, sorry, I, f- I forgot one of my notes after I wrote Holy Moly, which is, this is the best Kingdom Hearts game. Because it's got Holy Moly in it. <laughs> it's one of the better ones. Yeah. I'm... And one of the worse. Maybe. Uh, but then this is good, because he puts the crank back in and he rotates it. And we know that he achieved his goal because we hear an off-screen Pete through the wall go, Impossible! (laughs) So it's like, is Riku in the same dream this time, actually? And we just didn't run into him? That's a great question. Yeah, there's a lot of questions this time. (laughs) I don't really know why this worked. Yeah. All right. All right. It worked, and it worked, and Minnie says, you're as brave as a royal musketeer, and he says, what are musketeers? And she, oh, I forgot Goofy also did this. She, like, whispers the the all-for-one-and-one-for-all one one all to him. Yeah. She's like, I and he's like, what? They say that? Okay, here goes. Yeah. Very silly. Yeah. I liked it, though. I think all-for-one-one-for-all for one, one for all is a fun, you know, catchphrase, and- it's good to hear Riku yeah, they've do it. been saying it since Kingdom Hearts one. Have they? Oh, I guess they have. Yeah, they. I think I'm pretty sure that they said it the first time that Sora, Donald, and Goofy met. Oh shit, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, he locks the sleeping keyhole. That's Riku's. So this was this. them. So it is the same. It, it it has to be the same. Donald Goofy. I guess just yeah. Well, did they come here? They I think it here? is the same. I, the my question is just is this where they're originally from or yeah. or not? And I truly don't know. Yeah, where does Glomgold fit in? <laughs> he doesn't fit in anywhere Ah oh, man get the fuck out of here glom gold but he looks so good he does look pretty good yeah i like that he has a a big sack with a pound sign on it instead of a dollar sign because he's uh from the uk yeah he hasn't left yet <laughs> uh then what happens? Uh, oh, speaking of people saying things that we don't hear, we get to watch Lee's mouth move for I a fuck, little bit. I fucking hate it when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they did that. But we we just cut to Lee, and he's saying something, and we can't hear what he's saying. And then Mickey, Donald, and the Goofy all go, what? Yeah, I mean, because this happened in um, Kingdom Hearts 2, right? We got, like, them on the beach, I think, or the... This ha- yeah, this happened before in a couple games where we get this, and then later we get the scene with sound. Yeah, it, it happened with. uh, uh... Oh, it it happened when Zemnis like whispered something to Roxas, and only later do we hear that he said like, "Sora, your true name is Sora, or whatever." Yeah, yeah. So I thought, are they doing that again? Yeah, Nomura loves this. Whatever. Okay, it's fine. I don't. I don't like it, but it's whatever. Do you know, were you able to use context clues to figure out what Lee is saying here? I didn't think about it. Fair enough. We we will never get a flashback to hear what he actually said, but we will learn what he was saying. Okay. I guess I'll wait for that. Donald does not approve of whatever it was. Hmm. He says, absolutely not. Uh, Yen Sid says that... He he admits that when Sora and Riku left, he he could feel that something was not right. And he he suspects that Xehanort knew about their plan all along. Uh, he says, I don't remember if we knew this. He says that this is not how the Mark of Mastery exam normally works. I mean, I guess we did know that because normally what happens is that you hit balls for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And then fail. Yeah, it's obviously the true test of a Keyblade Master. Um <laughs> Uh, But he says this is not this is not the traditional exam, but the power that they will obtain by doing this is going to be crucial to making them masters. And we'll learn more about that power eventually. This did make me wonder if if like, is that why Xehanort is around? Is he trying to also get whatever power they're trying to get? Hmm. Because otherwise I can't figure out really what Xehanort's doing. We will figure that out. If not next week, then the week after, okay, I mean, there's only two episodes left of this, so okay, <laughs> but we will find out what he's up to in this game, whether it's that or not Got it. uh and yeah, he says that uh if all the other nobodies have recompleted, then uh Xehanort will have done so as well, and he's he's been puppeting everything, he's planning for every eventuality, and they need to they need to do anything they can to catch him off guard uh which if if that wasn't clear from this scene he is that's him saying let's go with what lee said right we're we're going to use his little plan because we need to we need to catch Xehanort off guard but he tells lee that the road ahead will not be easy yeah i mean is it that zaynort wouldn't have expected lee to come back to life and stuff so he's not accounting for him is that what he was talking about I will not confirm or deny. Okay. We go now to Fantasia time. Yeah, I was excited to see this. Yeah, this is cool. We got Apprentice Mickey. He's doing sorcery. He's, he's like, making the waves go up on the rock and all that. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. But then the best thing that could ever happen happens, and we see fucking Spelican's back, baby! Spelican's back, baby! God, I love Spelican. Yeah, it's been... Like, a month since we saw Spellkin. That's right. He's here. I forgot about him, and he's here. Yeah, he's here. He knocks Sora on his ass, and Sora... Sora keeps getting, like, KO'd by Dream Eaters. <laughs> there is worse enemies yet, even though they're the cutest. Yeah. Uh, so Sora wakes up in Yen Sid's tower. Or is he? Yeah. I mean, kind of. So this is a little bit interesting, because... Yen Sid's tower is not a sleeping world oh yeah I didn't think about that so what this makes me think because Sora is going to go into a Fantasia world where Mm. you won't have seen much of it in the cutscenes, but you'll have seen a little bit it's like scenery with the symphonies playing and there's like season stuff going on so it's like raining in one area and snowing in another yeah so this makes me think that that world is a world in itself, and that's the sleeping world, but that it is dreaming Yensid's tower, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, because the Sorcerer's Apprentice is part of Fantasia, so yeah, I, I guess, I guess it is. Yeah, it's, it's a little weird, um, but this because this is Mickey again. It is Mickey, Mickey burning with dark magic while he's <laughs> conducting, um. Which was yeah, great he's... to see, and I, I was like, I was like, is this going to be evil Mickey? But no, <laughs> no, 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 he's, he's just holding back. No, Mortimer's not here yet. Mickey is, uh, yeah, he's sitting in Yen Sid's big chair, his eyes are closed, he's glowing with darkness, and yeah, he's like conducting with his hands as the music plays, but he's like struggling. We hear him go like... <laughs> And there's these two spooky-looking, darkness-infected sheet music books behind him. Mm-hmm. And Mickey, like, magically talks to Sora and says, oh, you've got a Keyblade. I'm, I'm the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Whose apprentice are you? And Sora's like, let's talk about something else instead, actually. <laughs> and then Sora, of course, tries to hit a book. Yeah, he, you know, this is what happens, this is why he's not in school, uh, because when he sees books, he just attacks them on sight. That's right. (laughs) Uh, But he does charge at the book, and it knocks him on his ass once again, and Mickey tells Sora that the darkness can only be dispelled using a sound idea. I don't love the sound idea as a pun, but I'll live with it. I kind of like it. Yeah, it's... It's not great, but I kind of like it. What they end up doing with it is cool, so I'll forgive it. Yes. <laughs> so, Mickey creates another uh, book of sheet music and tells Sora that he can use it to visit a world where he can find a sound idea. I, oh, man, I wish I could remember. The sheet music is something. I think it might be, like, Destati, the, the, like, darkness theme or something like that. It's, it's some Kingdom Hearts music okay little easter egg for someone not me apparently because i i don't actually know but (laughs) (laughs) we get a little flashback uh before all of this happened mickey he's carrying around buckets of water and he gets sick of it and he finds the Sid's hat and he puts it on and folks you'll never guess what happens next what happens i don't remember i don't know yeah he gets whatever happens in fantasia he gets up he gets up to some mischief i I actually didn't write it down i think this is the part where he um starts bringing the oh no he just starts shooting like light out of his hands i think at this part yeah because it's on riku's side that we see him enchanting the broom so i actually don't know what he was doing here just just casting magic i guess and i think he opened a portal that Spelican flew through yes it would appear so uh, Sora traverses a cool world of classical music that is not worth describing for the purposes of a podcast. He ultimately finds the sound idea, and we ta- We know who this is, right? I can't remember. We established who this it's, is, yeah. That it's, that it's Apprentice Xehanort or something? Mm, I don't remember what we've established. <laughs> well, we established it's the Xehanort that came back together after, um, after I think, Zenmus died and stuff. Something. Xehanort is here. Is Xehanort the important is here. Yeah, it's Xehanort. Yeah. But not old man Xehanort. And he says, uh, uh, you have sunk into slumber so easily, you stupid bitch. And Sora's is like, you're following me. Why? Xehanort says, <laughs> wouldn't you like to know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like cherry blossoms even fly by to make it even <laughs> like more dramatic. This iteration of Xehanort is simply an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, he's he's still young and full of energy to be an asshole. Yeah, Uh, But he says, you still think this is part of your test, don't you? Don't worry, this will all be over soon. (laughs) And Sora just shrugs. He's like, I don't know what the fuck that guy's talking about. Yeah, whatever, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm Sora. The only thing that I can do is move forward. Uh, He absorbs the sound idea. He returns to the tower and he starts conducting with his keyblade, which is fun to see. Yeah, I liked it. And uh, the sound idea starts glowing and playing the piano from Dearly Beloved. If anyone's not familiar, I'll put it in here. It's that. Okay. And it starts to weaken the darkness. But Mickey says, I don't know if one sound idea is enough. And Sora says, don't worry, I've got a friend who will help. And then... Another sound idea appears, and the strings start coming through, and it dispels the darkness, and Sora says, It was Riku who helped me. Yahoo! Woo! He looks really cool when they start merging. Um, yeah, it's yeah. great. I I really like this part. Yeah. Except when someone puts really bad electronic music over it. I still don't understand that. So... Sora, despite Mickey's warnings, jumps directly into the sheet music to fight Spelican. yep uh I hate this boss fight. It was really hard um Spelican, he's a real he's a real son of a bitch well, you can't have i mean he's the best villain we've had in this series. So you can't have him go down <laughs> easy. Maleficent, eat your heart out <laughs> Speelliliko doesn't say anything, but they don't have to. Yeah, I think the reason I hated it is that there's, like, a like a minute-long, like, grind rail <laughs> segment to start it out. Well, yeah, you're doing, like, a rhythm game, right? As you go along a grind rail, and then you... Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I had to do it, like, ten times because he's really hard. Okay. So, Mickey's soul rejoins his body. He removes Yen Sid's hat sheepishly. Uh, and he remembers his apprentice work. He thanks Sora, and he runs off to fetch the crummy pail of water for Master Yensid or whatever his job is. But he he signs off with a "See you real soon." <laughs> I think he was trying to stop the flooding that he had started with the oh sure with the brooms. <laughs> uh, Sora unlocks the sleeping keyhole. Riku's turn, and boy, does this kind of just fly by. Yeah, I mean, for at first he's just doing the same stuff Sora was doing yeah the only difference that is on is is that on his side the room the tower is like flooded with water uh mickey says a line that is a little it i don't disagree with what the line is but i disagree with how much it goes on because he's like gosh riku something tells me you and i are gonna be good friends and that someday we'll help each other out a lot it's like yeah we get it (laughs) You could have just said the first part. Yeah. Um, This is where we get Riku's side of the flashback, where Mickey makes the brooms walk, and he dozes off, and then it's flooded. And then, yeah. Movie. Movie. The Sorcerer's Apprentice actually scared the hell out of me as a kid. Yeah, he, like, the part where he murders the broomstick, and then it comes back to life as a bunch of little broomsticks. That scared me. Yeah, what is this? Majin Boo? It is kind of Majin Boo. <laughs> Majin Broom? Yeah, I do like when Mickey uh, stops Majin Broom by blowing himself up. Um, but unfortunately, it's still Majin Broom just keeps going. I like the part where the broom expels all of its evil, mm-hmm. which becomes evil broom. And then the broom becomes good broom. But then the evil broom eats good broom and becomes super broom. And then it expels good broom and becomes kid broom. And then later it becomes mroob. But the good, the good thing is its friendship with Mickey Satan keeps it from <laughs> destroying everything. Dragon Ball Z is pretty... a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Mr. Satan's great though. Yeah, and I like the part where Sora and uh, Riku fused together and became a uh, flying jawbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> that would be or good. Or a gumball. I don't remember. I don't remember. Anyway, Riku uh, goes into the world... And he does stuff, and it's fun, but nothing cutscene happens here until he finds the sound idea, and the world goes black around him, and he falls into a void. And Xehanort is here, and he says, remember Chernabog from the first game? Now he's your problem. This is where he says the stuff about how, like, I don't have any use for you because you don't... (laughs) you're not, like, bothered by darkness. Yeah, I actually love that line. He's like, I don't... (laughs) I don't know how you did it, but you really found a way to trap darkness inside your heart. And a boy who's immune to darkness is of no use to us. And Riku just goes, huh, "Well, there's some good news." <laughs> yeah, that, that rules. I mean, <clears throat> Xanort, you would assume has done the same thing because he just like lit, he, you know, he's all full of darkness, and it hasn't taken him over entirely. Like he still has his own plans. Yeah. Or does he? Or does he? I don't know. Yeah. I don't sure. remember. Um, <laughs> did, okay, did we already know this lore? Because they delivered it like it was new information, and obviously I have seen all this before, so I kind of get mixed up. He tells Riku that he was the boy chosen by the Keyblade, and Riku is like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And he we- says, the Keyblade chose you first, but you gave into the darkness before it could find you, so it had to go to Sora instead. I think Birth by Sleep, um... Establish that, right? Okay, may- maybe this is the first time they've ever explicitly said. I, I think it. they have never not said it this way, but we kind of got that. In okay, by well, yeah. I guess Riku didn't know it, so now he knows. Yeah, um, and he tells Riku that Riku always causes problems for others, and Riku says that's true, but I'm working to change that through a character arc. And then Chernabog is here, and there's a boss fight, and that's that. Didn't look like it looked like a very unfun boss fight, which is too bad. Chernabog's yeah, cool. Any. He- any boss fight where they do the thing where it's like, you're flying or swimming, so you can't use your normal abilities, tends to be more of a pain in the butt than anything. God, you know what it reminded me of is the final boss fight from Path of Neo? I never I never got that far. Uh, well, the final boss fight of Path of Neo is um, the, Smith- <laughs> the smiths turn into a big mech that throw cars at you. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I was hoping you would say exactly that. Yeah, I mean... There's like this little part where the Wachowskis uh, like have like little digital avatars that say like, "Yeah, so the actual ending of the Matrix would not be fun to play in a video game, so we made this. (laughs) We made this thing. It's awesome. Honestly, I love it." When you say that they become a big mech, is the mech made of Agent Smith's all like stuck together? Yeah, and I think also like cars and stuff. I'm pretty. I'm. I'm. I have not played it in a long time, but yes, that is that is what happens. Looking it up. But you have to do the same thing where you're kind of, like, flying at it and you get knocked back a bunch of times. Oh, my browser crashed when I tried to search for it. Here we go. Let's see. P- Path of Neo, specifically. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, right. It looks, looks like Michael Bay Megatron. Oh, right. He built it, like, out Wearing of Wearing a suit. <laughs> suit. He's got the suit. Yeah, never mind, because he built it out of, like, the cityscape and a bunch of cars and stuff, so not... Oh, yeah, that, yeah, it is it is like a parking lot on his chest. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, I, I maybe I should finish streaming that game. I streamed, like, half that game, like, two years ago. Oh, you know what? I don't know if I ever did play... Pa- no, I must have. I remember the stealth section when he's in the office at the beginning. Yeah, there's that part. I... Yeah, I know my stream stalled out when I got to some of the really boring middle stuff, but I, I, maybe I should just soldier on. I definitely played a lot of the one where you play as the two people. Uh, Enter the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghost and Nairobi? Is Na- that their Niobe, names? I think. Niobe. Yeah. Niobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played a lot of that one. Yeah, you fight Ghost in Path of Neo. Oh my god, that's so mean. Yeah, well, he's testing you. Oh, okay, that's so nice. Yeah, it's it's nice. Uh, Riku passes his own test, the test of can you beat a boss fight that you already fought in the first game? Uh, yes, you can. He's back in the tower. He releases the sound idea, and it's his side of the scene. It's playing the strings. It's not enough. Sora appears and plays the piano, and the song dispels the darkness. Uh, This scene is a, a little much, but it is still nice because uh Riku is like, that must have been Sora. And Mickey's like, gosh, just hearing that name puts a smile on my face. The you two made a powerful harmony together. And Riku's like, well, that's Sora. He can always find the brightest part of anything. It's hard not to smile around him. And Mickey says, no wonder the music sounded like so much fun. I bet that he's got you to thank for that. It's like each of you is holding on to a little part of the other. Your hearts are in tune, so they're free to sing. Gosh, I hope I can be part of the team someday. It's really nice. I like that. It is really nice. I also can see how this gives a bunch of ammunition to, <laughs> to, sh- to shippers. Oh, no question. No question. Um, but I think they just have a nice friendship. The uh, the thing with this scene is that it's great no matter which way you interpret it. That's right. Yeah, totally. But I do think that it goes on a little bit long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Riku unlocks the sleeping keyhole. That's his part of uh, Fantasia World. Yep. And now we go back to everyone being sad in Yensid's office. Yes. The we we go from Yensid's office to Yensid's real office in real life. Right. Uh, and yeah, everyone's being very gloomy. And quiet and Mickey breaks the silence and asks Yensid, Do you think he will be able to do it? And Yensid says, Well, you can't teach a cat to bark, but Merlin and the fairies are aiding him somewhere temporally flexible to see if he can wield it. Hey, what does that mean? I don't fucking get what you just said, my dude. Do you want me to tell you? Sure. Because I I do think that there's enough context clues here. I think you could get there if you thought enough about it, but I will tell you. No, I just mean, what does it mean to say you can't teach a cat to bark? That's what I mean. I don't know what that means. Oh, it means that, uh, you know, cats? Yeah. They meow. Yeah. But dogs bark. Okay. I just don't know what it has to do in this context. I don't understand what he's trying to say about Axel. Lee, Uh, I guess. Well, Lee, first of all. (laughs) Lee. Well, okay. So do you know what they're talking about? I mean, I think they're trying to say, like, you can't... I don't... What, no, I don't understand what it means in this context at all, honestly. They are they are seeing if he can wield it. Oh, I see. Seeing if he can do a keyblade stuff. Okay. They have put Lee into the hyperbolic time chamber. Oh, sick. To determine whether or not he is capable of wielding a keyblade. Got it. I bet he can. Guess we'll find out. Um. Okay, all right. And then... Then they're, Now they're talking about, like, how how could Xehanort even be there, right? At the place? Yes. Okay. Now. Oh, I didn't want to have to get into this. Okay. So. Time travel. Yeah. I don't think we've really dug into time travel in Kingdom Hearts yet, have we? Well, a little bit, because of all the Xehanorts. And but- the, we know that Sora and Riku were sent back in time. Right. For this game. Yeah. Yes. So, that is Mickey's question, is, if Xehanort did something to them at the start of their exam, and the start of their exam was the night that the Destiny Islands fell to darkness, so that means, did he, before any of this happened, plan for this and, like, position himself on the Destiny Islands to mess with them? Because they say something about how you can only jump back in time to places you were? Is that something they yes. say? Yes. Yeah, okay. That is what, yeah, because... Because you don't physically travel through time, you travel, like, in your memory or something? Well, what Yen Sid explains here, and I'll I'll try to make it make a little bit more sense than he bothers to make it make. Yeah. Uh. Unlike that sentence. um, Is that when the Destiny Islands fell to darkness, Xehanort would have to be there in some form... Because you can't just time travel to whenever, wherever you want. If you're going to travel through time, the point that you're going to, you have to be there already in some form or another at some point in your own timeline. That's the key. So, because what Yen Sid explains is that not even Xehanort is powerful enough to transport his body across time. Which I don't know if we know that's true. (laughs) Maybe he can. We're going to have to take Yen-Sid at his word here. But what Mickey remembers is there was a time when Xehanort didn't have his body. Because when he split himself from Apprentice Xehanort into his Heartless and his Nobody, his Heartless is his heart without a body. That was how he possessed Riku. Right. And they don't know this, but we know... That Ansem's Heartless, when it was a brown sack of a man, was on the Destiny Islands at that time. We do know that, yep. Which means that whether or not that version of him in that moment knew that the Mark of Mastery exam would be happening then and there, a future version of him could just time travel to that point and start fucking shit up. Yeah, and, and Yen Sid's like, man, did he actually just know? And he placed himself there because he knew he'd have to travel back in time to this pl- time at some point. He does kind of go back and forth where he's like, there's no way that he could have planned that far in advance. But maybe. Although maybe he could. <laughs> maybe he did. Um, Now, we haven't really gotten to this, but Maleficent did bring it up at the end of Coded. We do know that there is something called the Book of Prophecies. Correct. So it is possible, maybe, that Xehanort actually could have known everything that was going to happen if he did have the Book of Prophecies. And I'll tell you right now, I don't think that we actually know the answer to that question. But I was thinking about that and thinking that it is possible that that's how he planned all of this. Hmm. Maybe. Or not. Maybe he's just really, really smart. He, he appears to be. It's hard to know. I mean, mostly he's really, really smug. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He appears to be really smart because he's really smug. He's actually not smart. Yeah, but he acts like he is, so you think he is. No one else. Um, no one else wiggles their fingers with quite that much confidence. God, I miss him so much. Yeah, I know. Bring back that wiggly old man. <laughs> uh. So, yeah, Yen is like, oh my god, you're right, there was a heartless, or a, a bodiless, it's so fucking good, the, the heartless is the heart, why, god, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> a heartless version of him, which is to say, an only heart version of him, <laughs> was on the Destiny Islands when they fell to darkness. Uh, so Mickey says, I'm gonna go help them, because this might actually be way worse than we realized. Uh, and Yensid says, "Well, how are you going to do that? They're they're in the sleeping worlds. You can't get there." And Mickey says, "Well, at some point they're going to come out of them." And one time, Master Aqua told me, "Follow the hearts, and you'll find the way." And that's what I'm going to do. And Yensid says, "Wow, I never thought of that." And then Yensid doesn't even go like, "Oh yeah, I think I can kind of sense Riku or something." Yes, he says, "I still can't figure out where Sora is, but." Right now, I can sense that Riku is somewhere in the realm between, which means he's, right now, he's not in the realm of sleep. He came out of it at this point. Yeah. I think. Which is interesting. Which is interesting. Uh, Donald and Goofy say, let's go with Mickey, and Mickey says no. No, you're, yeah, he's, <laughs> I, yeah, it was interesting to be like, yeah, if I die, you have to be the the ones to, like, fix everything. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it too much, but let's just say Kingdom Hearts 3 is Pretty interesting. <laughs> you know, like Dragon Ball, it's sort of like um, Goku going off to die and saying to, like, fucking Krillin and Yamcha that they're going to have to try to, like, fix everything. <laughs> All right, Chatsu, you've got this. <laughs> oh, no. Poir, you're the new hero. <laughs> Oolong, take care of Poir. Yeah, I guess it's not fair. It, I guess it's more like Tien and Krillin. I'm not going to be as mean to say that one of them is Yamcha. I was watching a video about, um, because there are people who think way more about the mechanics of Kingdom Hearts than I do. Mm. And there are people who have, like, really, really dug into the systems and found, like, the most effective ways to utilize your party members in those games. Oh, sure, yeah. And apparently, uh, if you're actually paying attention, Donald and Goofy contribute almost nothing besides healing you. (laughs) Yeah, they don't do a ton of damage. No, they really don't. And they fall off more and more as the game goes, apparently. (laughs) Which is why the most popular builds for Goofy involve just turning him into a sort of berserker who loses all of his health and then gives you a bunch of MP when he dies. Huh. Or something like that. I can't remember exactly how the strats are, but you basically turn him into a battery. (laughs) Okay. Because he can't really do anything on his own, but he can let you cast more magic that sounds like a great use for goofy yeah so all of this is to say that they are uh oolong and poir this is the most dragon ball heavy episode of yeah, this podcast yeah, I that we will that ever happened. have maybe i don't know how that happened but yeah it, it happened yeah and that was before they even mentioned the hyperbolic time chamber yeah, yeah I, <laughs> they I, had dragon ball and we brought it up before they did yeah uh that's that's where this ends though is mickey saying i'll bring him back and that's where we stopped as long as Mr. Popo's not there. I don't want Mr. Popo around. No, we don't need Mr. Popo. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is a fun... I, I, lo- I loved this this part. It was great. Um, yeah, I I kind of wish that we had a little bit more story in the Fantasia world. I You know, it's one of those things where when you play the game, you know, there's so much gameplay between the cutscenes that you don't necessarily realize <laughs> how sparse it is. But uh yeah, in, in terms of watching it, I, I was a little bit like, oh, that's the whole thing. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I do think this is one of the best parts of uh Dream Drop Distance. Yeah, this is where I think Kingdom Hearts really shines when it's when it's being fun, <laughs> I guess. Direct to video. Direct to video. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe it should always be direct to video from now on, except for it very much won't be. Yeah, although the uh, return of Jafar world in Kingdom Hearts 2 was not great. <laughs> no, that sucked pretty bad. Um, but now that we know that time travel is in play, we can get, uh, what is it, Cinderella 3, a twist in time? Yeah, three caballeros. We could get um, uh, Donald Duck and Math Magic Land. like you know, do some edutainment. That'd be good. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah. Did you get to watch that in school? I did. I don't know. It doesn't ring a bell, but maybe. It was like this kind of educational video. It's what, I mean, he's in Math Magic Land, like it sounds like, but uh-huh. um, I'm going to have to track that down anyway. Um, I did play a lot of Sonic Schoolhouse. Yeah, though Math Magic Land is one of those movies you watch when they, you know, they wheeled in the TV on a, <laughs> <laughs> that, that thing. Yeah. When the teacher can't be bothered. Yeah, the teacher's hungover, so we watch Math Magic Land. God. We we watched some weird movies in school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was about to say we're just like, the- like, all right. I I don't feel like it. We're just gonna watch The Sandlot for the next three days. I was about to say we're the last generation for that to happen too. But you know what? Probably now they probably just get shown like PragerU videos or something terrible. So, <laughs> oh god! So it's actually probably way I worse. I got a fucking ad on YouTube the other day for PragerU kids. Oh yeah. yeah, chilling. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's terrible. There's um. Dave Anthony's got a podcast where he's been going into PragerU stuff, and they talked about a lot oh, of that. Oh, yeah, I've I've heard of that. Maybe you told me about that. I May- don't remember. Maybe. <laughs> Someone told me about it. Maybe. Yeah, it's, yeah, their shit's terrible, and they're really trying to go after kids in a big way, so that's fun. Well, you know, uh, kids are kids are busy with their own thing. That's it, true. On KingdomHeartsFanon.Fandom.com. Thank God uh what would you like to hear about today kingdom hearts child of the sun or kingdom hearts signs of zodiac i've read some signs of zodiac myself so let's do child of the sun i've started using the uh breeze wiki extension at this point so that is an anti-fandom.com link oh great yeah (laughs) Galexgan. Kingdom Hearts Child of the Sun is a fan fiction created by Galexgan. The story takes place several months after Xemnas' defeat, and the story gives the tale about Galexgan and his quest for a heart. Uh, so we've got Galexgan, we've got Kaixiel, we've got Soixja, we've got Zakshi, we've got Nalkson, and we have Orin from Final Fantasy VIII. Oh! <laughs> so a bunch of nobodies, I think, and then Orin. And then the lead antagonist, of course, is Sulcax. That's right, yeah, what name is that, oh Lucas? okay, we definitely read about Solcax before, yeah, we've read about Solcax, yeah, uh, but we haven't read the story, and I feel like I feel like one thing that we haven't really done on this segment is really dig into the the prose, mm-hmm, so I think that we can we probably can't read all of this, but we can either read the prologue or part one of one, uh. I think I'm seeing more fun things in part one. <laughs> All right, we'll skip the prologue. How did we get here? Who gives a shit? Who, who, who cares? Galexgan, Child of the Sun, part one. Galexgan starts his day-to-day life as usual in the new organization. It had been seven months since Zemnis was defieded by Sora and co, and though the castle that never was was crumbling, it had been taken as the base of operations for a new set of nobodies. Oh. The new leader, Sulkax, led as much... Oh, led much as Zemnis did while in his not-existence. So, God. checking his email. <laughs> what is- Sending the members of the organization out on missions, Rhea searching the heart, trying to find any way he could to once again have a heart. That Sulkax's is- work had been in vain since the new organization's creation. There had been no clues as to how to obtain hearts, but save a small book found lying in the castle, which contained information on something called Kingdom Hearts and the group Organization thirteen. The Ultimania. So it's a new group of nobodies that don't even know about Organization thirteen. Interesting. Yeah, that's weird, but they're called the New Organization. Did we learn about that? We must have read about them. Let me quickly skim these names. Yeah, I think we have, but I guess they Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember (laughs) I remember nineteen through twenty-two being to be added. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) but then they did have number 23 Nalkson right that's an important number and the phrase wearing the coat is also here which we do like I do love to wear the coat Uh, taking this to be the way of gaining a heart Sulkak sent the organization members on mission after mission while secretly searching for a keyblade wailder to do the dirty work of bringing about Kingdom Hearts more specifically the key wailder named Sora so what if we did days and Kingdom Hearts 2 again (laughs) <laughs> it is really it is really just 7 months after Kingdom Hearts 2. We did Kingdom Hearts 2 again. But people love it, you know. Just give the people what they want. Uh do you want to read the rest? Sure. Everything seems to be going well until in Solkax's desperation, he sends Galaxian out on a mission to recover his memory. Why oh, would you do wait, that? I didn't I didn't know that he was oh. So this is like what if Okay, so this is like, what if Kingdom Hearts 2 Roxas hadn't then also fused with Sora? This is what if Roxas left the organization and just became the protagonist? Probably, but maybe they But also just... Sora is still here. But maybe they just fuse again. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I will also fuse with Sora. <laughs> He's just oh. getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> big, big, bigger Sora theory. Um... Now, Galexcan travels between the worlds, seeking things that may trigger the memories hidden within, with the hope that some memory hidden there will help the organization. Glexgan meets with a strange knight in white armor at Hollow Bastion Castle, who turns out much later in the story to be his great-grandfather. Spoilers! Much later? This is part one of one. Yeah. A Keyblade Wilder during the Keyblade War. He was willed to life as a lingering sentiment. That's the thing Mm. I saw that I wanted. (laughs) Where have I heard that one before? That's the thing I wanted to read that I saw. (laughs) Sent to help. He was willed to life as a sticking around William. As some sort of blue ghost. Um, sent to help Glexgan, his great grandchild in regaining a heart. Upon meeting the knight, it was unknown of the connection because Galexcan was missing his heart and the knight could not read who he was speaking to unless they had a heart. Aw, man. Eventually, Galexcan and his friends are sent out on a quest by the knight to find a heartless, Galexcan's heartless, so that the heart can be freed and returned to the person the knight was sent to help. The heartless is chased through many worlds but is eventually led back to the knight himself. This provides. cool. I, hey. What? I think that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. This provides the opportunity for Glexcan and the Knight to defeat the Heartless, the Knight landing the final blow with his Keyblade, freeing the heart and sending it to Kingdom Hearts. Oh, that's, well, that's not, oh, as, no. <laughs> that's not as helpful. Wait, problem not solved. <laughs> problem very much not solved. Soon after, the group appears before Solcax, who brands Glexcan as a failure for, fit, for t- taking too long on a mission and providing no results. Yeah, all right. Sulkaxit enters the battle with Glekskan and defeats him. Oh shit! A sudden oh. blow, to, a sudden blow to the head during the fight somehow causes all of Gale's memories to return, and Glekskan remembers the horrible truth of how his memory was lost in the first place. Dot dot dot. So I like that he. Why he did get... nobody ever try hitting Roxas on the head with a hammer? <laughs> yeah, you just need. It's just. It's just. Um, sitcom rules. You just got get hit in the head again. <laughs> that would have been. That would have been interesting. You know, it is kind of funny, actually. You know, the whole like uh, bringing a person back together um, after they've died is, is kind of sitcom rules because you kill them again. You just have to kill them twice, and then they come back to life. <laughs> they should have just killed Roxas. Yeah, I, I, I guess they did in the end. Kind of did, yeah. R.I.P. Oh, he's still- but at least at least Galexgan remembered that his name is Gale Gan. I don't know. <laughs> We looked it up before, but it didn't make sense. No. It was Gale Gage. Yeah, right? But the N, I don't know where the N came from. Well, he's a special nobody. Who gets yeah, in. he he is intelligent and uses superb logic skills. Can't beat that. Speaking of reading character bios, I want to read a character bio that I was looking at earlier. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to read the name, and I would like you to guess who this is. Okay. Um, (laughs) he is something of a prankster, and as a result, can sometimes come across as a bit of a bully. However, with a few exceptions, there is hardly any harm in his pranks. He almost never intends to hurt anyone, and when his pranks go too far, he is often apologetic. He is also a bit of a poseur. He likes to brag, especially about how skilled he is at something. He does, in fact, have many skills. He is something of a jack-of-all-trades. He is a talented fisher and a competent hockey player. Oh, However, his love of bragging often leads him to overestimate his abilities, so that when he sets out to make good on his boasts, he gets in over his head, usually to hilarious effect. Another of his personality traits is perseverance. Even though he can at times be a slacker, and likes to say that his favorite place to be is a hammock, once he is committed to accomplishing something, he goes for it 100%, sometimes resorting to extreme measures to reach his goals. I have no idea... There is a running gag about him being physically unhealthy and unmotivated to exercise. Is this a Kingdom Hearts? Is this just like a character from media? He's in Kingdom Hearts. Okay. You know him all too well. Uh, hockey. The hockey thing really threw me for a loop, I think. I think I got focused on hockey and I can't think of who plays hockey in Kingdom Hearts. He often starts with a happy mood without a care in the world until something comes along and spoils his day. His rage is a great cause of suffering in his life. Is it? this axel
1: i don't i don't on know on multiple
0: occasions it has caused him to get in over his head and lose competitions nope i i don't got i don't got it his aggressive nature has its advantages however his anger can make him powerful enough to defeat ghosts much stronger individuals sharks mountain goats giant kites and even the forces of nature what no i have no idea i'm i'm completely lost <laughs> i don't think i'm going to get it with more information i think i'm getting more confused <laughs> As animator Fred Spencer has put it, Donald Duck gets a big kick out of imposing on other people. Wait, what? That's Donald Duck? But he immediately loses his temper when the tables are turned. In other words, he can dish it out, but he can't take it. Yes, this was all from Wikipedia's personality section on Donald Duck. What? That's so confusing. He's a jack of all trades. He's a talented fisher and a competent hockey player. They didn't say anything about a hot guitar. (laughs) How am I supposed to know? No, I don't see anything here about uh, about his hot guitar, um, but when he, in truant Officer Donald, when he is tricked into believing he has accidentally killed his nephews, he shows great regret, blaming himself. Wow, I guess he is a good guy. His nephews appear in the form of angels, and he willingly endures a kick by one of them. <laughs> Which, what in the hell happens in truant Officer Donald? <laughs> Oh no that's it's a wild thing for there to be a cartoon about, oh my God, look at the poster <laughs> okay, hold on what the why fu- does truant officer Donald have a rifle? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got to fucking do something about those kids. These goddamn kids, oh my God, what in the hell is this? I mean that he the- captures the ne- he captures the nephews and drives them to the schoolhouse in his truant officer van. While he goes on about the importance of a good education, the boys pull out their pocket knives. Whoa. Why is everyone armed? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you why. Because this came out in August 1st, 1941. That's why. So he... What in the hell? He... The boys in in inside the clubhouse. The boys are cooking three chickens over the fire. Fucked up already. When suddenly they notice smoke pouring in, they decide to beat Donald at his own game by putting the chickens in the bed and escaping through the roof. He peeks inside and is horrified to see the chickens in bed. He is beside (laughs) himself as he thinks he cooked his nephews alive. This is an amazing. This is amazing. I got the fuck. This is wish us duck. This is wish us duck. Um, I wonder if I can find any quotes from (laughs) Druid Officer Donald. Donald Duck. Oh, no, I killed my nephews. (laughs) We can say that. Well, that one I made up. Let's see. Do we have quotes? Come on, IMDB. Oh, here we go. Quotes. Oh, the only the only. uh, Well, there's two quotes, but one of them is really long. Uh, There's a quote of Donald Duck speaking to one of his nephews who he thinks is dead. Good morning, how art thou? (laughs) Okay, well, yeah, we could say that. The 40s were really something. They really were. I guess you first, because I I need to think about how I do this voice. Okay, I I was like I said, I was practicing earlier, and I shouldn't say this until I've done it in case I turn out to be wrong. But I think I had a breakthrough. Okay. I think I figured something out with the mouth shape. So let's see if this sounds okay. Uh, This is good morning. How art thou? Okay. (coughs)
1: Yep.
0: Nope. (coughs) Wah! Hold on. It's the pressure. (coughs) That's pretty good. Now let's see what (coughs) (laughs) happens. Let's see what happened. No, I was better earlier. I can't do it on the podcast. Sorry everyone. I'm really good off the podcast. I swear. Yeah, let me show you how it's done.
1: <laughs>
0: I thought the good morning was better than mine. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's better than I have done. Honestly, I guess I just need to take <laughs> a month off between every episode. I I was uh checking the news. I did hear some stories uh coming from South America. Uh there were mysterious Donald Duck noises yeah, all over being all, reported. All over Argentina and Chile. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh well, that's good. Yeah. Next week. Oh, uh, should I, I say No, we week? had we had a question this week. Oh, we did have a question. You're right. We had a question. We had one question from HK um, uh, let me read it real quick. Okay. This game doesn't really take too much inspiration from the weird incongruity of real dreams, like being unable to read or use weapons or randomly being in a different situation without really noticing. What sort of dream logic do you wish it used or used more of if it's somewhat present already? Um, that's a good point. I don't think this I, It is really disappointing. I don't think there's almost any dream logic in this game. Yeah, the closest they have to that is the reality shifts where it's like they're manipulating the dream, sort of. Right, it's gameplay, but not story. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I really, I mean, I think that it would be, that is like the big miss- missed opportunity here is to make things more dreamlike and strange, you know? I mean, I guess having the, uh, the, the dream eaters there does that a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. I think it would be cool if like, if stuff was being a little more um, confused and remixed and stuff in strange ways, the trouble is these are the dreams of the worlds, not of the characters. Which means it would be the dream who has to be at school naked. Yeah, the, or the world. The world would have to be naked. I mean, we did get uh, a night on Bald Mountain, which is close. True. I mean, honestly, that'd be even that'd be way fucking cooler if like the people all are like. I don't. Yeah, if the dreams, if the world was having a nightmare, that'd be really cool. That would actually, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, if there's just like sometimes, and maybe it could be one of those things where it's like once per world, uh, as as like the boss fight rolls in, is like yeah, the world goes into like nightmare mode, and it it's like dark and stormy, and the villain becomes gigantic or whatever. I mean, basically what I'm saying is that they should all end the way that the Little Mermaid ends. Yes. Yep. And we should get that cool fight where Ursula's eyes don't always track right. <laughs> For every boss. For every boss. Yeah. Frollo's eyes are rolling all over the place. <laughs> uh, didn't... I think that... I can't remember if it was in this. No, it must have been in uh, Kingdom Hearts 2. I think that you do fight a gigantic uh, Sark. Yeah. Yes right there's the giant yeah you fight but giant his eyes star. aren't rolling all over the place which is a shame no yeah they fixed it by then yeah i feel like i feel like for me I don't, I don't know dreams are weird i don't know if i don't know if everyone dreams like this i feel like for me the weird thing of dreams is that like nobody is there but i always know that they're there you know yeah like i never see anyone in my dreams yeah, I know what you mean. Like yeah, I I mean I wish that yeah, or just like the weird stuff where, you know, they're trying to yell and your voice gets quieter and quieter as you try to yell or I don't know, any of the any of the classics. It'd be it'd be cool. For for this to really feel like dreams, every character would have to be like just off-screen like peanuts adults. <laughs> For me now that's I, a dream. My recurring dream was I was in the car and someone's driving and as soon as I look away they disappear and I have to jump in the front seat and keep the car from crashing. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So that could happen to Sora. I just used to have a lot of haunted house dreams. Interesting. I had a recurring dream where I was mocked by a um cabbage patch doll as a child. <laughs> I'm not joking. But um, yeah, unfortunately the dreams that i have now aren't funny because they're just like generalized anxiety yeah same yeah no I'm like, yeah Back <laughs> so to... there's nothing funny about them before i had that my dreams were pretty fun <laughs> uh yeah that that's what that's what the game should be is that sora sora should just like feel the weight of everyone's eyes on him and he's like trying to hide behind a wall Sora's just having Sunday scaries um, over and over again. Sora's trying to get to the bathroom, but the toilet keeps moving away. Yeah. That'd be a good game. We'd all love to play this (laughs) game. game. You know, people are always like, oh, yeah, this this creative work that I made, like, oh, it came to me in a dream. And then you you watch the, the movie that they made or whatever, and it's just a movie where toilets are running away. Yeah. Or they could go to Math Magic Land, as I'm reading about. And, um, you could see a scene where a geometric bird recites almost perfectly the first 15 digits of pi. That sounds like... <laughs> almost perfectly. Yeah, that sounds like something that might happen in my dreams. It <laughs> doesn't really sound educational when they get it wrong. But <laughs> it's almost perfect, though. Hey, that's better than a lot of people. Yeah. You know, you're in 15 digits. What difference does it make at that point? No, right if now? you got the first, like, four, you're good. First... Children aren't designing rockets. They don't need to know. No. <laughs> uh i think that's it Donald is initially not interested in exploring math magic land believing that math is just for eggheads he's right he's just he's right yeah all right sorry now we are done we're on co-host at sounds about light i am on co-host at positive stress i'm on co-host at achilles healy's uh, Dr. Huh is still on break for a little bit longer. We weren't able to record this weekend, but we will have an episode up soon on, I believe it is the 12th doctor episode hell bent, which I already watched and it's pretty nuts. So that'll be fun. Hmm. I've not seen that one. You're not missing out. It's <laughs> all right. It's fine. It's right. really, really weird. <laughs> Anything else? Oh, it's been, Oh, I, is there a new extra credit that I'm on? I think there is. Yeah, I'm catching up, too, but I saw a new one came out. Because the, the Ask Women one, that's up. I was on that one. There was a, a world-building one, I think. No, the world-building one was already up when we went on break, but the the Reddit Ask Women one. That one's new. I'm on that one. Listen to that one. Nice. Yeah, I haven't been on an F-plus in a while because I was getting married and stuff, and it was pretty busy, but... um. There's a good episode about Spells of Magic up from, like, the end of October. I don't know. Go listen to that if you haven't listened to it yet. On our road trip, I was like, you know what? I should finally pick up where I left off because I used to listen to the F-plus episode by episode. And I was like, I'm going to pick up where I left off because I, I I was listening episode by episode. And then I then I slowed down. I started only listening to some episodes that struck me. And then I slowed down more. And then it got really, really sporadic. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get back to... The last episode that I didn't listen to when I was listening in sequence. And that was the Thumbsuckers episode from like six years ago. Whoa. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. Thumbsuckers. I don't even remember that one. <laughs> don't, don't listen to that one, folks. Okay. I mean, do listen to it. It's a good episode, but Jesus Christ, those people are weird. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Anything else? We're on Noisespace.xyz. Along with other shows. I don't think there's any new shows since we went on break. We weren't on break that long. Uh well you had um your final episode, I assume, of a show you've done for a long time. Oh yeah, Henry Kissinger died. Yeah. Hooray. Uh we we're trying. We're trying to record a proper episode. Okay. It's so hard to schedule. Yeah, I understand. We're we're trying to we're trying to get a true final episode of H Kip out. Henry Kissinger's Pokémon Going to Die. That's the podcast. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I probably shouldn't just say H-Kip. We all know it. That's what we call it. I think that's everything. Yeah. Well, we'll be back next time to talk about... I'll say where we'll be next time. We'll be back next time to talk about the world that never was. We're going back. I like that. I like that place. Yeah. But until then... How do we... Oh, God, I don't remember. No, I do remember. There's an old man who wiggles... And we love him, and we think of him every day. We love him, and we hope he and Pete have a great life together, maybe. That <laughs> would be cool. Or just hanging out as buds. Yeah. And the thing that he will say all the time when that happens, of course, is Keyblade. Keyblade. <laughs> no, that was worse. I'll cut that one. <laughs> wow. Bye. Bye. So this captain guy's the culprit. I wonder what he's up to.
1: (laughs) What am I up to? Huh? I'm up to plenty! Oh, Pete! Who's that? (laughs) A stranger looking to be endangered. You! Mangle these yardsticks!
0: Pete, by the power vested in me as a musketeer, I arrest you, mister! (laughs) That's
1: a good one. (laughs) Well, how's about this? By the power invested in my fist, I clobber you! (laughs) Oh, Mickey! Uh.